0: Teaching Books strives to personalize each reader's connections to children's and young adult books. Discover thousands of resources that bring books and reading to life. Sign up for free today at teachingbooks.net. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 640. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner if you want to support the show. Today I'm joined by Jelani Memory, founder of A Kid's Book About, an innovative company bringing difficult conversations to readers through lived experiences and own voices. Taking on such topics as racism, divorce, failure, and belonging, A Kid's Book About is doing something different in the children's book market and the impact these books are making on readers and reading communities, as I've experienced firsthand, is powerful. Today you'll hear ten voices representing ten different topics addressed in the A Kids Book About series, why they wrote these books, and what advice they would share to their childhood selves if given the chance. We'll hear about racism from Jelani Memory, divorce from Ashley Simpo, belonging from Kevin Carroll, emotions from Nikita Simpson, adventure from Ben Turteen, failure from Dr. Lehman Hicks, feminism from Emma McElroy, disabilities from Christine Knapper, shame from Jamie Latournu, and empathy from From Darren K. Roberts, please welcome my guest, Jelani Memory, starting us off with A Kid's Book About Racism.
1: Hi, my name is Jelani Memory. My pronouns are he and him. Uh, And I'm the founder of A Kid's Book About, uh, a little children's book publishing company that makes challenging, empowering and important books for kids.
0: I am so glad you're here, Jelani. I have known of your books for, I don't know, like maybe a year or so. Um, And I, perhaps like other people that have seen a kid's book about on Instagram or other social media platforms, I had always seen the covers and the topics and thought, well, this is something that seems interesting, but (laughs) what is it? And when I got my hands on your books. It just was something that I hadn't seen before, unlike anything I've mm. read before. So I'd love to invite you to share a little bit about that. Can you share what spark first led to the creation of a kid's book about?
1: Yeah, well, that's, this is very kind of you to say. And I think as, as all good things go, it happened completely by accident. Um, so it, it was never supposed to be a series of books. It was never supposed to be even a single published book. It was really meant to be one book for my six kids. So I wrote a kid's book about racism, uh, myself, uh, I designed it and I, I printed a copy through a print on demand service and it was meant to keep the conversation going with my own kids i have i have four white kids and two brown kids and i'm a person of color and we were already talking about race culture color racism but i wanted to keep it going and i thought what a what a cool dad thing to do than like make a cool book about it um and and that was supposed to be it you know i got the copy in the mail showed it to my kids they thought it was really cool And then and then something really special happened when I showed it to other adults Their jaws kind of hit the floor. They were They were kind of amazed by it and I was I was really shy about the book Um, I don't feel like I'm an expert on racism. I just happen to be a black man in America who's experienced it my entire life Um, so that maybe makes me an expert I suppose so, I wrote it for my kids, and that response from adults was profound in two ways. One, they always wanted to take it home and read it with their kids. But two, they encouraged me to think about making more, more a kid's book about, but on other topics that were difficult to talk about, that were hard to bring up. Something about my book was creating permission with these adults to to talk about and bring up hard things themselves. And so that's really where it started and and once I sat down to make that list of all the tough things to talk about with a kid, I just couldn't stop. It, there were just so many things that I knew that I was going to need to talk about with my kids and yet I didn't know what to say or I didn't know how to say it or I didn't know when to say it. And so what what better resource than these very straightforward books that treated kids like they were smart and helped adults along in that conversation and started some of the most meaningful conversations that could happen between a grown-up and a kid. So that's that's really the story of how we got started.
2: my name is Ashley Simpo I am a writer and an editor Um, oh my pronouns are she and her Um, I'm a writer and editor Um, my day job is for a global remote tech company um, and I'm their managing editor so I work with a ton of writers um, I create content for them and um, edit articles and and do all the editing stuff my book title is A Kid's Book About Divorce. So I chose to write this book, A Kid's Book About Divorce, because not only am I uh, someone who is experiencing divorce, but I am a product of divorce. My parents got divorced when I was about 13 years old. And I remember that it really wasn't something that was talked about Um, In our household, the divorce came at a time when we were actually kind of happy about it. Our parents did not get along. so, And I was older, I was 13, so I was old enough to know kind of, you know, a little bit about love. Um, I had a crush by then, I kind of understood some things about it. Um, But... Going into it for my own family, for my own child, it was a little different because he was a toddler when we got swimming separated initially. And, you know, through the process of divorce, um, he was a little bit more indoctrinated because he was younger. But his questions were still, you know, they were very honest questions, and I wasn't really sure how to answer them. So I did a lot of you know i was very honest with him and i was very transparent with him but i still wanted to know if i was doing it right um so i um i i went looking for some resources and i couldn't find anything that was current and you know, available. And in my search, I ended up coming across a kid's book about the beautiful agency that writes that, um, that nurtures writers to create this series. Um, and I didn't see anything about divorce. So you'll have to pardon the background noise. I live in Brooklyn, New York. (laughs) Um, and so I didn't say anything about divorce. So I wrote, Jelani a message. Well, I thought I was writing the the company a message, just in general, but it was Jelani who wrote me back. And he said, you know, I asked him, um, I asked why there wasn't a topic on divorce and if they were planning to create a book about divorce. And I kind of introduced myself. Um, And Jelani wrote me back and he said, no, we don't, not yet, but how would you like to write it? So we ended up having a conversation about you know the potential of a book and both of our experiences not only as divorcees but also as children of divorcees so we have this like second generation experience and um and it just clicked so then the book was born wow um gosh i think the probably the most powerful message personally from this experience and from writing it down not just going through it personally but writing it down and having it in a book Um, was reinforcing the message that this is not your fault. Um, And there's a line in the book that goes, um, you didn't make this happen and you can't make it unhappen. No one ever told me that. I think that, you know, I know that my mother never blamed me and and I think we were so focused on moving on with our life that there really wasn't a moment in which I was exonerated like that. And so um, I think it was really important to say that to myself. And it felt like I was saying it to myself and also to say it to my son. But it was something that I think I needed to hear. Um, And I think it's really, really important because, you know, I feel like children... Build their worlds around their parents, and everything that we do, I think they assume has something to do with them. And this kind of childish, selfish thing that they do, where they they really do feel like the world revolves around them, and it does, kind of, right. So, um, I find that that is one of the most impactful lines in the book, and I think it's something that's really important to say to children: is that you know this was not about you. And I think explaining to them that concept that divorce has a lot to do with how adults feel about each other and a lot to do with everyone's right to live a life that feels good to them. Um, And it has nothing to do with the children. And that's a really hard separation to make, but a really important one to reinforce. And it might be something you have to say often to yourself or to your child, but I think it's really, really important. It was the thing that that made me feel like like this was an important message to send to families and children.
3: Hi, my name is Kevin Carroll. He, him, his. I'm an author, a speaker, an instigator of inspiration, and I'm proud to be the author of a kid's book about belonging. I wrote a kid's book about belonging because I thought it was really important that we always understand how to belong. It's a fundamental human need. The more that we can understand how to belong, we can maximize our gifts and our talents and bring our full self and show up with a presence and confidence all the time. So that's why I wrote a kid's book about belonging. I really thought it was important for anyone young and young at heart to figure out exactly how to belong and the importance of belonging to yourself. If I had the chance to go back in time and talk to my childhood self, I would tell myself, I would say, Kevin, listen, you don't have to belong to everyone and everyone doesn't have to like you. You have to like yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And then you'll have the confidence to show up anywhere you need to go. Belonging will be with you. It'll always be who you are. And belonging to yourself is probably the most important thing. So have the confidence and the courage to show up authentically as you. And then you'll be cool and you'll be good. And it won't matter if you don't always quote unquote fit in because you'll always believe and trust and have confidence in yourself. So that's the thing that I would tell myself, my childhood self, absolutely. And I know that my childhood self would appreciate that message. Godspeed, peace and play.
4: Hey, my name is Nikita Simpson. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers. And nowadays I spend most of my time working at an advertising agency for all kinds of brands to make ads and sometimes commercials. And when I don't do that, I am probably watering all of my indoor plants. I wrote a kid's book about emotions. I wrote a kid's book about emotions because I wanted to help kids explore and practice using tools to express how they process and feel things. Being a kid of immigrant parents from a Caribbean background, discussions around emotions or even therapy didn't always happen in the home. My mom experienced that a bit growing up and made an effort to be the parent she wished she had as a kid and started talking through highs and lows with me. Some days were hard. Some days I didn't know how to tell her why I felt so sad or frustrated, but she was patient and gave me space to process. We found solutions together to build a healthy relationship as mother and daughter, and it made me feel a bit more comfortable learning how to sift through my own emotions on my own. I went from feeling weird for being so sensitive with my emotions to feeling like I could own them as being valid and important in my development. As I got older, I realized how helpful it is to talk about my feelings with people I trust, to sit in them, work through them, all of that. I wrote this book so that any child that may feel a bit of or I don't know, even a lot of emotions or even not that many or may not be sure of how they're feeling would have a book to learn how to talk about them. I want kids to feel safe in their minds and hearts as they grow into people that move through this world with a mindful approach about their emotions. If I had the chance to go back in time and talk to my childhood self, I would tell my younger self to trust yourself more and know that you're not that weird. I always felt that my feelings were either a bit too much, that maybe I was too dramatic and I'd have to work through my feelings alone all the time. I would also tell myself that finding a person to trust to talk about my emotions is a lot easier than I think, because we're all trying to figure out how the world inside us works and we help each other out when we talk through what we feel. I think that's probably what I told my childhood self and to not eat as much candy because cavities are very real.
0: (laughs) The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Professor Bookworm. Professor Bookworm is an online literacy classroom that offers virtual reading groups and writing sessions for kids grades one through six. These programs are engaging and fun and can be formatted around a family's schedule. Bookworm sessions are the perfect supplement to both in-person and online learning. Bookworm reading groups are conducted through interactive virtual activities and individualized feedback that are geared toward building reading comprehension. Each reading session walks the student through a complete chapter book. The writing program consists of 30-minute writing sessions with an instructor via Zoom. These sessions, which are designed to improve writing mechanics, can consist of one to four students, depending on the child's preferences. The founder, Carolyn Zoba, inspired by her work with colleagues and mentors on diversity, equity and inclusion, is passionate about exposing children to more diversity through the Bookworm program. When building Bookworm programs, she makes an effort to choose books that feature strong, positive, and diverse characters. She hopes to encourage students to explore other cultures, call out racial biases, and develop an inclusive mindset. Professor Bookworm just announced their holiday book bundles, which are boxes that contain all you need to complete as many reading sessions as you would like, plus a few trinkets for the kids. Order for the holiday boxes must be in by December 5th. They're offering 20% off your first purchase of a holiday box or bookworm reading session to listeners of the Children's Book Podcast. Please use code Children's20, that's C H I L D R E N S, and the number 20 at checkout. Get started today at ProfessorBookworm.com.
5: Hello, my name is Ben Tartine, and I use the he, his pronouns, and I spend my days uh, teaching and as a pastor here in Portland, Oregon, so that's what I do throughout the week. The book title uh, of the book that I wrote is a kid's book about adventure. Uh, The heart of the book is facing fear, and as a child, I moved from Wisconsin down to Tennessee, and then back to Wisconsin, and then to Minnesota. Um, and that's not as often as many children move, and it's far more than some. But the moves were very um, well, fearful. I, there was lots of fear involved. And I, um, I didn't have, at the time any sense that the fear I was experiencing was normal or okay. So what you have to do then is is not be afraid of anything and sort of toughen up and, you know, keep that particular part of your experience totally hidden. Turns out <laughs> that creates lifelong problems. <laughs> and so part of it is to help kids learn to uh, see fear and experience it through a, uh, a more expansive lens so I want to say something like, um, you know, feeling afraid to move from Wisconsin to Tennessee—that was my experience. Uh, yeah, that's okay. It's not a. That's a, any person is going to have that feeling, and then I try to through some storytelling and you know, different concepts help them see you can see this as an adventure, uh, and and not just get stuck in the fear. So that was one a major reason for writing the book i think the second one uh the second one has to do with being a parent so i have an 11 year old and i have an 8 year old boy 11 year old girl and 8 year old boy and um as i as i watch them grow i have these these mixed um uh what would it be called Motives, mixed motives. <laughs> uh, on one hand, I want to completely seal them off from any kind of pain or suffering or any sort of, like I just want them to be at peace and happy and uh, completely safe. But the, it's if I push that desire too far, I start to create almost uh, fearful children. They can't really fathom or cope with the real experience of life in this often difficult world. And, I, you know, this book came to pass before COVID even hit. And now that here we are, um, about a year later, uh, there's just so many new things and so many reasons to be concerned, if not downright afraid. So, but even, you know, this was before COVID. And and the idea was um, helping parents uh, perhaps move beyond, uh, if you find yourself in a spot of, of wanting to really protect your child, yes, kudos, good. <laughs> um, but also thinking expansively to say, is there, is it possible to actually let them take some more risks? And knowing, you know, I, I make an emphatic point in the book to say, adventure is not about being careless or foolish. You know, so it's not an encouragement to just like, yeah, jump off the cliff and see what happens. <laughs> it's not. It's not ridiculous. But it is definitely trying to invite readers to think bigger um, in terms of having adventures, taking risks, trying new things, going new places, joining onto the the team, even though you're afraid of perhaps losing and all of that. So a book to help kids face fears, and perhaps you could say the same uh, for adults, but from a slightly nuanced angle. I think the message that has become most important to me, um, is to not beat myself up over experiencing normal human emotions. (laughs) That was not a tool I was given. And I hope that this book can uh, offer some sort of tool like that to help a child who is going to face, um, a new school, a new kind of school, a move to a different house or town, um, families, family structures change, all that stuff, and to be able to to not feel ashamed about the fear that they're facing. There's more than once in the book where I try to where I just say outright, "That's okay. That's normal. That means you're in a good spot." But we also can get frozen in that spot. So I would want, uh, I would tell my earlier self, Ben, that's a normal thing to feel. And if you talk about it with somebody you can trust, you can move past that fear. We we want to still be smart, but we don't have to stay paralyzed in fear. And I think that was a big part of my my life. I I learned to live in fear very early, and you can still function. But it slowly, uh, in, my, in my experience, did quite a bit of harm internally. So that's, I would, I would want to tell my child, I don't know if my childhood self would quite uh, recognize what I was talking about, but I would want to say fear is okay, try to not get stuck in it, and, and here's a way to think about it through the lens of adventure.
6: Hi, my name is Dr. Lehman Higgs. I use the he, him pronouns, and what I do is I am a professional speaker. I travel all across the nation speaking to students, middle school, high school, and college students, encouraging them to go after what it is that they want in their lives, but more importantly, to get back up when life knocks them down. Uh, I have literally traveled all across the nation, speaking in 46 states in front of nearly a million students and uh, had this opportunity to become an author. I've written six books, but the book that I'm so excited about that is really touching so many young people's lives is my book called A Kid's Book About Failure. It was so important to me that young people understand the power that they have in getting back up. You know, for for far too long, uh, people don't understand that they can, that they can get back up from their failures, that it's possible for them to learn a lesson even when they fail. And so that is the reason why I wrote the book. I wanted young people to understand that failure is not a fatality, but there is a lesson in our failure. What is the moment trying to teach us? And my belief is that if we can teach this at an earlier age, five, six, seven, eight, when they get older, they will be able to remember the times that they failed as a kid and then use that as inspiration when they're older to continue to get back up and go after what it is that they want. If I could tell myself anything about failure as a child, I would probably tell myself that one, it is okay to fail. Two, don't fear failure. I think as a kid, I was so, so nervous about what other people would think about me if I failed. And it stopped me and hindered me from accomplishing a lot of things because I always went back to, well, if I fell, what are they going to think? What I've learned though, is that when you fell, you are more likely so far advanced than the person who did not even try. And so my whole hope is that we can get young people to understand that you are better off because you tried, that you were able to put yourself out there. You were able to learn a lesson. You were able to take these lessons get back up and try again you know my great-grandmother used to say say something to me all the time she say baby when you fall down get back up and now that is a message that i share with young people all across the nation that when you fall down you have to get back up and so i feared failure not realizing that when i fall down It was important to get back up and as famous motivational speaker Les Brown says that when life knocks you down make sure you land on your back because if you land on your back you can look up and if you can look up then you can get up and if you can get up then you can still fight for your dreams and that's what I want young people to understand and that would be a message that I would tell myself if I was younger to get back up and to continue to fight for your dreams.
7: My name is Emma McElroy. My preferred pronouns are she/her. I'm the CEO of Wildfang, and I wrote a kids' book about feminism. I wrote a kids' book about feminism because there are so many misconceptions out there about feminism. So many people do not understand it or understand what it means. Some people think it, only women can be feminists, which is not true. Um, some people think feminists Don't like men or don't like boys, which is also not true. And so I wanted to write this book to allow more kids to understand what feminism means and hopefully in turn call themselves feminists. If I could go back in time and tell my childhood self one thing about feminism, it would probably be that at the heart of feminism is about lifting others up, particularly uh, in my experience as a young woman, lifting other women up. It's so clearly at the heart of feminism, um, lifting other women up from other backgrounds, from other um, walks of life um, who maybe look differently to you. Uh, as a young girl, uh, I was a tomboy, and uh, all my friends were boys. And I would love that little girl to really focus on lifting other women up um, and helping other women shine. Because I think that's so, so important in being a feminist.
8: Hi, my name is Christine Knapper, she, her pronouns. I'm a middle school teacher, I teach English language learners, and I wrote a kid's book about disabilities. I wanted to write this book because I see so much curiosity around disability and also so much fear from adults around talking about it. I have a physical disability, I've used a wheelchair all my life, and I've worked with students who have different disabilities, usually invisible ones. So my hope is that this book appeals both the kids who do and don't have disabilities themselves, um, working as both a window and a mirror. I meet really great parents all the time. Who tell me they aren't sure how to handle their child's questions or reactions when they meet disabled people out in the world. They want to raise kids who are accepting and inclusive and they don't want to offend anyone but sometimes they aren't sure how to go about it. And even for kids who have disabilities themselves, their parents, teachers, the close grown-ups in their lives often don't share that experience of being disabled. They love them and support them the best they know how but without the first-hand experience guiding them They aren't always sure how to talk about disability or navigate disability life. So I hope that kids and adults can borrow from my words and from the ideas that I shared in my book to help them express their own thoughts and questions. There's so much stigma around the whole concept of disability, but if we can get past that, we can understand each other better and we can work together to build a world that's more inclusive and works better for all of us. I would tell my childhood self that Every single person on this earth has both needs and strengths. Our world does a better job of meeting some people's needs than others. But when the world isn't meeting your needs, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means the world needs to change. Having a disability will make your life more complicated, and some days it's really hard. But it also makes you a better, stronger, more compassionate, more creative, more resilient person. This world is a better place with disabled people in it. So you should hold your head up high.
0: The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro.fm. It's the gift-giving season, and our friends at Libro.fm are helping to make sure you and the readers in your life enjoy the latest and best audiobooks out there. Get two audiobook credits for the price of one when you enter promo code winner at checkout or purchase a three, six or 12 month gift membership for yourself or your favorite reader before January 1st 2021 and enjoy credits to use on any of LibroFM's 150,000 plus audiobooks regardless of price. Plus, the credits are DRM free and do not expire. 30% off additional audiobooks, including gifts during membership, expert recommendations from booksellers, free Libro.fm iOS and Android listening apps, and you can support a local bookstore as a Libro.fm member. I'm going to be honest, that's my favorite part. When you buy a 12-month FM gift membership, Libro.fm will be passing half of what you spend along to the bookstore of choice, meaning bookstores get $90 for every 12-month gift membership. There's really no better choice for that reader in your life this holiday season. I love my FM. I've been a member for several years, getting the same great audiobooks and the same prices as other audiobook sellers, but with the comfort of knowing my purchases are helping my local independent bookstore. Treat yourself or your loved ones to a Libro.fm membership this year. Use the link in the show notes, and happy listening.
9: Hi, my name is Jamie Letourneau. I use the she, her pronouns. I'm a freelance illustrator and graphic designer for both kids and adults. My work focuses on narrative projects that encourage social emotional learning and a deepening of human value. I am also the author and illustrator of a kid's book about shame. I wrote a kid's book about shame because I want to create a different foundation for kids than the ones that I grew up with. Ever since I was young, I didn't just experience shame. I lived in it, and I didn't talk to anyone about it. I didn't really know how to, and I felt worse for feeling how I felt. So that shame just grew and grew and reared its ugly head in different areas of my life, because the more I hit it, the heavier it felt. Ultimately, this really affected my self-worth and how I process emotions and function in my relationships. As a kid, my Shame showed up in little instances that I think a lot of kids go through. Ones like where I'd accidentally break something or feel like I was being too messy or annoying, things like that. So it kind of suppressed me and I was actually a pretty shy kid. I didn't talk a lot and I didn't share much about what was going on. Even times where I accidentally got hurt, like burning my hand on the oven or slamming a finger in a car door. I'd feel like more of an inconvenience instead of feeling I deserve to be cared for. And I think that actually came up because there were people in my life who made me feel ashamed for these accidents. But I don't think I understood that at the time, so it just added to the thought that I was the burden and the one causing the problem. Um, I think it's interesting because it's only a few times that I really remember that happening, but... I think that's enough for a kid to kind of build up this confusing complex. And I think that growing up in the Midwest um, also contributed to this because it meant growing up in a suck it up, shove things under the rug kind of culture. It wasn't normal to talk about how you feel, so I didn't. As an adult, though more complex, many of the things I felt shame for were still very natural, normal human occurrences. Um, a few of those things were feelings of shame around um, my own body and the health issues that I experienced as a woman. I also uh, consistently have struggled to feel confident as an artist and feel like it was enough to support me um, in terms of like income and happiness, and that's definitely still something I struggle with today. I also have felt inadequate as a partner in my relationships. And so there's this reoccurring theme of feeling like I wasn't enough. And that theme actually ended up guiding the core of this message for kids in this book. It wasn't until the past five years that a family began to unravel, the shame that followed me around, and I realized that talking about it actually helped. And not only that, I started seeing friends open up to me about the things that they had dealt with. It was really incredible to see that providing that safe space for them really opened them up and and this really deepened our friendships and I'm so grateful for that. So this is the safe space I want for kids to have with grown-ups. I think if we can start these conversations earlier with them, they'll be better equipped to recognize that their emotions are normal, that they aren't alone, and that they are valued. I think these healthier foundations will affect how they value other people as well. I really wrote this book to help kids feel loved and understood in these everyday emotions. I would tell my childhood self that the feelings you are having are completely normal and that you don't have to be scared or feel bad for feeling that way. You're not alone and you don't have to carry this by yourself. It's okay to tell other people how you feel even if you're not sure how to talk about it. The things you feel are real and they are important Don't let anyone tell you how to feel, and don't let them cause you to hide it. Because we're all humans, we all feel emotions, and we all feel shame. And having shame doesn't make us any less, just human.
10: Hello, my name is Darren K. Roberts. I use the pronouns he, his, and I spend my days doing a lot of different things. So I am a partner with Notley Ventures. I am a lecturer at the University of Texas where I teach courses on leadership and financial literacy and rejection. I am also the CEO of DKR Strategies, which is a company that provides consulting and coaching and speaking services to companies, and I'm the founding director of the Center for Sports Leadership and Innovation. But my best two jobs are as the husband to Hillary Roberts and the father of five incredible kids, Dylan, Sydney, Jackson, Delaney, and Micah. I wrote a kid's book about empathy. I wrote a kid's book about empathy because I wanted to provide an opportunity for parents and caretakers to talk with their children about this powerful tool that we have as humans, this ability to take the perspective of someone else. And I believe that when we look at all of the problems that we're facing in society, empathy is not the answer. But it is on the path towards the answer that will bring this country and this world together. So in my mind, there's a courage scale. And on the left end is apathy. That's no connection. That's when you don't really care about those around you. The midpoint is empathy. This is when you begin to take the perspective of someone else. When you actively listen and really think through and try to identify with what other people are going through. But then at the far end of that scale is advocacy. You take empathy, you take those experiences that you have connecting with other people, and then you choose to advocate for change. If I had the chance to go back in time and talk to my childhood self... I would tell Darren that empathy is what brings us together. I would tell Darren that it's very easy to get caught up in the world of Darren. Darren's dreams, Darren's goals, the pitfalls, the failures, the rejections. It's so easy to get caught up with self. But empathy, this act of courage, can help you, Darren to get outside of your mental cocoon it can help you to create new friendships it can create new possibilities and opportunities and at the end of the day empathy is that gift that keeps on giving no struggle no progress stay in the deep end
0: Jelani, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you?
1: Yeah. I want kids to know that they matter more than they think. That they have more to say. That they have more to give. That they exist and they matter. Um, That they are not ignorable or disposable. but that they matter
0: The children's book podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 600 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. Want to help out the show? Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and your support and contributions will directly support and impact my work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth or any other means helps reach more listeners which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that. ...is a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids... ...especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast... ...from our friends at Sleepiest creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast.
10: Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtime's a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumor has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's KOKO Sleep and I'll see you there.